Hello everyone, my name is Tony and I'll be doing the scripture reading for today. It comes from 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 to chapter 2 verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning, Cornerstone. It's a joy to be with you once again. Today we start a new series of messages through the letters of John in the New Testament. And the title of this series is called Walking Like Jesus. Now, the letters of John are 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And the author of these letters is commonly thought to be the Apostle John, the one who wrote the Gospel of John, or one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And one reason we think that he wrote these letters, called John, or 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, is that the images that um, were recorded in the Gospel of John are also very similar to the, same, uh, similar to the images used in these letters. Uh, images like God is light that we see especially here in 1 John and that God is love as well in 1 John and then the 2nd and 3rd John. And so we know the author also was with Jesus personally because in the first four verses of chapter 1 in our text today, uh, the author writes, and we believe it to be John, the Apostle John, that he makes it clear that he heard and he saw and he touched uh, Jesus personally. So he was with Jesus. And this is uh, what he proclaims through his letters that he writes. So in our text today, the author summarizes the message that he heard from Jesus and experienced and observed from Jesus in verse 5 of chapter 1, which says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Please pray with me. 
Lord, we just ask that, that your spirit would reveal to us the truth of you, who you are and the truth of your word that we're studying. And especially, Lord, and how this truth reveals in our own hearts and minds the areas of darkness, the sin that we have harbored and bring it out into the light. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> when I was 10 years old, my family took this three-week-long trip. Uh, it was really the only time we did this as a family. I have uh, th- two brothers and a sister and myself and then my mom and dad, so there were six of us. Uh, we all packed into our Plymouth station wagon, so there's two of us that kind of sat in the way back in the wagon part, uh, and then two in the back seat, and then two in the front seat. And my two brothers were old enough to drive at that point. Um, I was, yeah, I was 10 or 11, and my brothers are six and eight years older than I am. And so they all took turns driving, and it was a lot of driving, and we started in Massachusetts, where I lived at the time, and our family, I grew up there. And then we went from Massachusetts to Kentucky, and then from Kentucky uh, west to uh, Colorado, Denver area, and then from Colorado east to the very eastern part of Iowa, where my relatives are there as farmers. And then we went from there uh, through Canada up to Niagara Falls and saw that site. And then we went back to Massachusetts now, over a period of three weeks. And uh, we have relatives in Denver area and also in eastern Iowa. So we stayed there for you know, multiple days as well. It was a memorable trip. But uh, what I really remember... Uh, as well, uh, specifically, is when we visited in Kentucky the Mammoth Caves. And we were, I just remember these huge caverns, hundreds of feet underground. They took tours through there. You can still go today. Well, I don't know if they're open now with COVID. But at one point in the tour, this is what I remember, is they shut off all the lights because they wanted us to experience what is absolute darkness. No light at all. You're underground. So they shut off the lights, and then they told us to just put our hands in front of our faces. And if, I, if you're not talking, because then you can hear your voice closer if you do that, but if you're not talking and you do this, you can't sense anything. And it's absolute darkness is pretty unsettling. If I tried to move around, I'd probably stumble over the rough floor because it was in you know caves. Uh, or I'd bump into people or the wall because I have no idea what's around me. And if you turn around, you lose your sense of direction because you have no bearings. And when you're in darkness, there could be dangers very close to you and you have no idea because we can't see them. Uh, I was very thankful when the lights came back on. Well, we just read in 1 John that God is light. And in him there is no darkness. And light from the sun provides energy needed for plant growth. And plants convert sunlight into energy uh, in a storable chemical form through a process called photosynthesis. And petroleum, coal, natural gas uh, are all remains of plants that lived many years ago. And the energy these fuels release uh, when they burn is the chemical energy converted from sunlight, ultimately. 
And when we digest the plants and the animals we eat, they also release the energy stored by photosynthesis because the animals eat the plants, right? And they eat other animals and it just, it's that food chain. And it all is based on the light that comes from the sun, the energy. So light provides us the energy that we need to live practically in this physical world. And John writes that God is light. It's the first thing he created. Let there be light. And he claims this because he heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The disciple of John, I mean, the disciple John was one of the uh, only three witnesses, eyewitnesses, of when Jesus was transformed um, into dazzling, what it's described as a dazzling white, um, when they saw his glory. And light, this light that they observed, reflected God's presence. The statement that God is light is a word that symbolizes um, and communicates purity, the purity of God, dazzling white light. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, the words of Christ. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. God is light. Light exposes what is hidden in the shadows. You know, whenever my garbage disposal gets jammed, I can't fix it unless I go grab a flashlight and shine it down into the garbage disposal to see and expose what is in there that's stopping those blades from spinning. And then I can remove it because it is exposed. Of course, I want to make sure it's off before I stick my hand in there or anything to remove that. And God has the same effect on our lives with respect to our darkness that's in our hearts. And that is the, our sin, our, the times we are disobeying God's commands. And, and God exposes the sin that is hurting or hindering us from experiencing real life that he has uh, and hopes for us in this life. God's nature is not to cover up sin but to expose sin and encourage us to live in the truth, which is himself. Because Jesus said he is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Is there anything in our lives that we are doing against God's commands that we're trying to cover up, that we don't want anybody else to know about? That's sin we're covering up. We're taking extra precautions to make sure uh, it stays secret. It stays private. And these things are not healthy for us. Because if you think about it, why the secrecy? Why do we need to cover them up? Because we're ashamed of what we're doing. Or we don't want others to think less of us. So again, there's that pride. And I'm not talking about when we hide something that we're, you know, keeping hidden in 
preparation for someone to surprise someone. No, it's more the, the dark things, the, the destructive things of our lives against what God has commanded. The lie that the devil wants us to believe is that we can get away with it without anybody ever finding out. Um, and, but the truth is that God is light, as we will see in this text. God is light, and He knows everything we do in secret, and His nature is then to expose the darkness in our lives. And why does He do that? Because He wants us to deal with it and confess it to Him and bring it out in the light and then live by His truth. Yes. God is light. Light exposes what is hidden in the shadows. And John then goes on to describe the characteristics of life in the dark. What does John mean when he says in verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This letter of 1 John, he was responding to a group that had come from within the church and they were teaching something different from the truth. They denied that Christ actually had come in the flesh and blood. They denied that God had a human body or had come in a human body. They denied the, the virgin birth of Jesus. They claimed that the Christ Spirit descended on Jesus uh, after, at his baptism and then uh, went away from him or left him at his crucifixion. And these false teachers who thought that the physical body was evil or worthless had really two approaches uh, to life. Uh, one was that they insisted on denying the bodily desires um, and live a very rigid and simple life, uh, denying all their bodily desires. The other approach was the opposite extreme. So since the body and the physical life did not have any lasting meaning or uh, importance, then they would just give in to all of their physical lusts and, and live accordingly to that. And so that would obviously, either of those would destroy them in the end, for they were not following the Lord Christ. And John challenges them that no one can claim to be in fellowship with God and still live evil and, and live in an immoral life. John is referring here to the habit of living, uh, not individual occurrences of sin, because uh, this is something that is ongoing. It's like a, a direction of light, an intent of the heart. And so to walk in darkness means to live a life in a way that does not follow the commands of Christ. It's the purpose of what you're doing that is seen in the actions that we live. It is a life habit. It's motivated by our true inner desires. So if we live life in the dark, then we don't follow the truth. There's an old saying in Brazil, perhaps borrowed from the Portuguese, that if you turn your back on the light, then you'll only see your shadow in front of you. In a sense, you'll only see the dark. And it's the same when we turn our back on Christ. Then we are walking in the dark. We are 
walking in the habit of sin and justifying our actions, and then we cannot have fellowship with God. Our fellowship vertically with the Lord God is broken because we are now in darkness. And no matter what we claim, we do not have fellowship with God when we continue in the habit of sin and cover it up and deny it in many ways. And this, this truth is dealing with our fellowship only. You know, the fellowship we have with the Lord God is broken, not our relationship with Him. Because when I disobeyed my dad as a kid, um, my fellowship with my father was broken. When we were around each other, it was awkward. Um, I didn't really want to be around my dad, and he didn't want to probably be around me at that point when I was being rebellious and disobedient uh, to him. But he was still my dad, and I was still his son. The relationship was still there, but our fellowship with one another was broken until I confessed and, and reconciled with my father. This applies to all of us who follow Jesus as Savior and Lord. And how many times do we gather as a church and act like everything's good? You know, I have no problems. I, like we don't have any problems with sin in our life. When in reality, our fellowship is broken with the Lord God. We have sin in our life that we have not dealt with. And it is eating us from the inside out. And part of it is we don't want to admit that we have problems, that we are weak, that we don't have it all together. And, and that is denying we have sin. If there is anywhere in the world that we should be able to live by the truth and confess our sins openly is the church, the body of Christ. It is a safe place for us. Unfortunately, the church is seen as a place where we must often get cleaned up and dress really nice, you know, cleaned up, and then make, like, we've got to be in great shape to go in and enter into this place, the building, right? But instead, the church is a community of people among which we should be able to confess our failures and our sins openly and appropriately and receive the forgiveness and support that we can have in Christ Jesus, the grace of God displayed among us to each other. The church is like a hospital. We come together sick, and we receive in the church the healing of Christ, and we experience that healing power from each other as well as we, as we share the love and grace of Christ with one another. And then we leave uh, that gathering of that community, the church, stronger, more motivated to go out and live for Christ. Well, unfortunately, this isn't always the case. Um, the Pharisees once asked Jesus, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus responded, It is not the healthy, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Who are we in the dark? Well, if we're in the dark, we are sick with sin when we don't follow the truth. Who are we in the dark? We are also liars 
because we deny sin. Verse 8 speaks of this when it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then in verse 10, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, we all, at times, deny our sin. We try to cover it up. Uh, in John's day, these false teachers were redefining sin in a way um, so that it was no longer viewed as sin. Now, that's another way of denying sin. Just redefine it. It's not a sin. And it's the same today when we call sin a mistake. Yeah, I just made a mistake. It's like uh, it was by accident. Um, or we say a lie is actually part of the truth, you know, half-truth kind of thing. Or we call gossip when we're sharing personal information about somebody else uh, that doesn't need to be shared or shouldn't be shared. We just say it's simply sharing. You know? um, we try to make ourselves feel less guilty by redefining sin. The most common way we do not deal with sin is to cover it up. And like Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves up after they sinned against the Lord God. Uh, we do this in all, with all kinds of sins uh, when we live in the dark. And For example, are we viewing pornography? And if we're doing that, are, is it, are we trying to keep it private and make sure nobody else knows about it uh, instead of confessing it to the Lord and, and to another person in the body of Christ to help keep us accountable? Receive that forgiveness in Christ? Are we sexually active in a relationship with someone that's not our husband or our wife? And we're trying to cover that up and keep that secret um, when we, we know it's, it's sin without the covenant of marriage. Are we denying that it's sin by just keeping it secret? Are, are we cheating at school on tests or assignments? Are we lying in some way and we know we're not telling the truth, but we're trying to cover it up by not admitting to it or keeping it secret in that sense, never confessing that we lied? When we cover up our sin and act like we're doing nothing wrong, then this is another way that we are denying that we have sin, as in verse 8 says, I have no sin. That's basically how we're living. Another common way we attempt to redefine our sin is out, uh, kind of like say it's not even there, it doesn't exist, is by claiming that we're not sinners, but instead we're sufferers, we're victims of situation or circumstance or other people. It's like saying my dysfunctional upbringing or my abusive relationships and the abandonment I suffered as a child have all conspired to, together to ruin me. And it's not my fault that I am the way I am. It's not my fault that I did these things. It's a result of this junk in my life from other people that have done on me. Their sins have caused me to act this way. And then we never take responsibility for the choices we are making that are against God, which is our own sin. When we deny sin, the truth is not in us. 
And that means Christ is not leading us. He's not our Lord at that mo- those moments. We live a life enslaved to sin, and we have no awareness then, since we're in the dark, of the dangers that are right around us. We can stumble right into them. People whose habit of life is to deny sin are doomed for a destiny of destruction and separation from God eternally if that is our continual habit of life because that shows the true inner desires of our heart. Now, in contrast to life in the dark, John shares in our text the results of walking in the light and to us especially who struggle with sin. Now, it can be hard to understand this letter, 1 John, especially this first part of 1 John that we're looking at because John's tone here it, it sounds like we must be like absolutely perfect without any sin to live up to these standards. And like any sin we commit will threaten our standing with God as his child. But taking this text as a whole, that is far from the truth of what John is writing here. John is dealing with people that live a life of sin and defend it. He's not dealing with people that who seek to resist sin but fail and stumble into sin. Completely different, right? Attitude of the heart. Now John so encourages those who walk in the light that they are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, there's a couple things to note here. First, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. And because we are in the light with him, and he is the light, so we are like in communion with him. Our fellowship is uh, healthy with him. And then also we have fellowship with one another horizontally on earth, right? With other brothers and sisters in Christ. So on the other hand, the more we harbor sin in our lives, the more difficulty we will find having fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as our Lord God. So if we notice a brother or sister uh, at some point seeming to withdraw from fellowshipping with their fellow brothers and sisters, it may be due to harbored sin in their life in some way. And also we walk in the light, the blood, when we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin, we see here, and continues then to purify our lives of sin. In a sense, he gives us victory and enables us to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what is right in obedience to Christ. Um, We will see that more and more as we grow in Christ. I mean, we will always stumble in ways but probably not in the same ways uh, long-term. So that purifying process continues to be done, and therefore we walk in the light, and we have fellowship with God, and we have fellowship with others, and we continue in the process of becoming like Jesus, walking like Jesus, living like Jesus. So John continues on to say in verse 9, that walking in the light means we confess our sins in contrast 
to denying that we have sin. This is a big contrast. When we walk in the light, we confess our sins. Walking in the darkness, we deny we, don't, we have sin. And you see the different heart intent here. Verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The questions that some people ask is, why do we need to confess if we've already been forgiven? Or, another question is, what if I die before I confess the sin I just committed? Am I forgiven for that sin? Uh, so let's first deal with why confess. Uh, if we believe Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and we are following Him in obedience, what sins has Jesus forgiven? He's forgiven all of them. That's what the Scriptures teach. He died once and for all for all sin. And so that means past sins that we committed, the present sins that we're committing today at this moment, and the sins that we haven't even committed yet, but into the future. His death on the cross covered us all sin for all time, for all people. All of them. So when we confess our sins, it is to receive the forgiveness that Christ offers us through His own death on the cross. So then, why, are, why confess? Why confess? Why do we need to confess our sin? We confess because we love Jesus. We confess because our confession is necessary, in a sense, to bring the ugliness that we committed against God into the light and expose it in the light of His truth. And this is our desire. Confession then restores our fellowship with the Lord God because when we sin, it, that fellowship is temporarily broken. Remember, our relationship isn't as His children, but our fellowship is. And because of Christ's death on the cross, we can confess our sin to God and we are forgiven already. We can stand firm in that truth. And we are not to deny our sin or redefine it or hide it or cover it up. No, we confess it. And it has been said, confession is really good for the soul. And it is. It's like we are free. It's out in the open. No more hiding, no more lying about it, covering it up, worrying about it. It is out there and we are forgiven. Praise God. It's common for people to make deathbed confessions to kind of clear their conscience before they know their end is coming. But we should not wait until our deathbeds to confess sin. No, we must do it now. And in other words, are we to quit we are to quit denying our sins. We are quit to covering them up or redefining them so that they're just mistakes, you know, that we fall into once in a while. Um, we need to take them seriously, confess them to the Lord, and clear our conscience before God. We are not to wait at all. And then we will be restored to the Lord God in fellowship with Him. So when we look at Adam and Eve, and they sinned, and they hid in the garden uh, away because they heard God walking in the garden, so they hid themselves. Why did God ask them? if they had eaten of the tree that he had commanded them not to eat of. I mean, God knew that they had eaten of that tree. Why did he ask them if they had? 
It's because God was giving them opportunity to confess their sin to him. It's not that he didn't know. Uh, He knew, but he was giving them that opportunity. They hid from the Lord because of their sin. Confession works to restore that fellowship. And when we live confessing our sins, then we are walking in the light. Even though we keep stumbling, we confess, then we are still have that intent that Christ is in our heart and wants to bring the things into the light and His forgiveness. Now, there are people around the world who rejoice every year when spring comes, and that means longer days and shorter nights. Uh, I like that too, um, though I like winter too. I like the changes. But these people really rejoice for this because they're affected by what is known as seasonal affective disorder, SAD, SAD, which is appropriate name for this disorder because it literally renders people uh, depressed, dysfunctional, sapped of strength, um, starving for joy, longing for hope. Um, Every winter season, they, they fall into this pattern, this disorder. And prolonged exposure to light literally uh, brings life back into these people that struggle with this sad disorder. In a similar way, this is how we must deal with our sins. We need, to, we need prolonged exposure to the light and to expose these sins and let the truth of Christ destroy them in that sense and give us the, the, the energy enable us and and to engage them and get rid of them once and for all. Though some sins, that happens. Other sins we continue to have to bring before the light of Christ. Um, And eventually we will be seen, we will experience victory over them. And so, through faith in Jesus Christ, this is the truth, our sins are forgiven. Jesus is our advocate in that sense. This just means one that speaks on, to the Father on our behalf, on, in our defense. And chapter 2, verse 1 states this clearly, saying, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And Jesus does defend us because of what he did Uh, on our behalf, taking on the penalty so that we can be forgiven. So he defends us by through what he did on our behalf. And this is what chapter 2, verse 2 goes on to explain. He is the propitiation of our sins, for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And propitiation is simply the uh, act of appeasing. Um, In other words, through his sacrifice... Uh, He paid the penalty for our sins, what we should have received, death. Christ took on himself. So literally, uh, the scriptures say, he bore all the sins of the world on himself and paid the penalty for all sin once and for all by his death on the cross. All sin was charged to his account, we can say, and his death paid that penalty every sin. So if you have sin and and you know right now that you've kept it hidden, that you continue in this habit but you're keeping it hidden, secret, then 
bring it into the light. Confess it to the Lord God now. Share it with somebody in the body of Christ that you trust so that it's also exposed in that way. So, you know, you don't have the, the tendency to keep it secret. You know, God knows already, so it's, he wants us to confess it. But confessing it to a brother or sister, somebody who has flesh on, uh, makes it even more um, real to us that we are admitting our weakness, our sinfulness to somebody else who follows Christ. And then we will experience the forgiveness as well from them as well as from, from the Lord God. I challenge you today, if you have never given your heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to follow Him and experience the forgiveness of sin and that continual process of being purified of that sin, I challenge you to do it today by simply asking the Lord to be your Lord, to acknowledge Him as the leader of this universe and your Savior of your sin, what it deserves through Jesus Christ our Lord. What are you waiting for? Do it today. I challenge you. Let's pray together. Lord, this message for us as your followers, as your church, is essential because we know that this is an ongoing process. We need to admit our sin to you and experience your ongoing forgiveness once and for all. It's when we don't, when we live in the dark, that we will experience hardship and destruction and uh, difficulties in our lives. Not that we won't experience those when we live in the light, um, but we will live in the light and we will experience your joy and your peace and your redemption and the, the unity and communion we have with our brothers and sisters and with you. But when we live in the dark, we won't experience that because we are not living in line with you, Lord, and your truth. I pray for those who may be listening that have not committed to following you as Lord yet and, and that your spirit would move, in the, move them in this direction and that they would respond to your call on them as your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, good to be with you again. We'll see you next week.